Hallelujah. 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 Thank the Lord for his goodness and mercy. I thank the worship team today and the sound and AV team for being here. Thank the Lord for his goodness and mercy. I pray everyone's I pray that everyone's Thanksgiving was a blessing, um, that you were able to be safe and stay safe in this time and season that we're in. Um, I don't know that I've ever been in a situation or a season like this before. Um, Seems like the messages that God's been bringing to the church has been warning the church and preparing the church for things that are going to come and that if, if it, even if it doesn't come, the church needs to be ready. God gave me another message and I, I, I got up again in the middle of the night and I'm like, Lord, if this is flesh, then I don't want, I, I want to be delivered from flesh. I want it to be through the Holy Ghost with what I speak to the people. Uh, I want to let you know we will be doing uh, communion next Sunday here. Um, I'm not sure how we're going to try to make this work for those that, since our registration is only to a certain amount and then it cuts off. So we're going to try, this is what we'd like to try, is, is if you, um, you want to have communion in your home then we'll try to figure a way to get you your cup you'll have to come here I'm not we're not going to go distributing cups and wafers but you can come here and get it uh, and all this is based on us being able to get our uh, grape juice and wafer by Friday I reordered new ones and so um, and maybe you don't want to take communion but then that's all right I just feel like it's time for us to get back to the basics of reverencing the Lord and bringing Jesus back into a place of reverence. And uh, I think we've forgotten because of COVID. I think we've, I see people resigning and leaving churches. Churches are going under. Um, but God said he would still, he would have a church and his church would be built up on a rock. And it would stand. So if you turn with me to Matthew 24, 45 through 51, I'm actually going to start at 44. I didn't give them in the sound booth that, but I, I, the Lord just laid this. The Bible says in Matthew 24, verse 44, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Verse 45 says, Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Verse 46, Blessed is the servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all goods but and but and if that evil servant 
shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of the servants shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Let me try to place the setting of this passage. The scripture that I read comes from what is commonly referred to as the Oliviate Discourse. It is the last words that the Lord would leave to his disciples before the crucifixion. There is much that the Lord deals with in Matthew 24 through 25, but the prevailing theme that pours out of it is that we must be ready for the coming of the Lord. And here we find the disciples gathering around the Lord to hear about the end of age. The whole context of the Lord's words here indicates to us that there will be a separation that will take place. I'll say that again. There will be a separation because his word is indicating there will be a separation that will take place. So if I could compare his first and last sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, the last sermon that the Lord, he is mirroring the first one that he delivered some three and a half years earlier from that day when he preached the Sermon on the Mount. You see, the Sermon on the Mount is one that never dies. It never dies. It lives forever. One finds that there are 42 different principles that establish the church of God and a saint's character in Matthew 5 through 7. Matthew 5, 13 says, good shall, good shall compared to bad salt, or excuse me, good salt is compared to bad salt. And you are the salt of this world. You can either be good salt of this world or you can be bad salt of the world. Just read the scripture. Matthew 5, 14 through 15 says this, light opposed to darkness we are to be the light of this world uh, 517 destruction of the law and the fulfillment of the law 519 matthew 519 commandment breakers and commandment bearers Five, matthew 5 23 through 24 forgiveness compared with unforgiveness matthew 5 28 through 30 the man that lust controls versus the man who mortifies the body of sin Matthew 5, 31 through 32, marriage opposite of divorce. Matthew 5, 38 through 39, the old eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth versus turning the other cheek. Matthew 5, 41, going the necessary one mile compared to the extraordinary sec mile, second mile. Matthew 5, 45, evil and good, just and unjust. Matthew 6, 3, the works of the right hand and the works of the left hand. I have paraphrased these scriptures for you. You need to go back and read the word of God. Matthew 6, 5 says, the prayer of the hypocrite compared to that of a reverent prayer warrior. Matthew 6, 5 through 6, 18, secret service provides open rewards. Matthew 6, 23 through 22 through 23 says, the righteous eye that lets in light versus the evil eye that lets in darkness. 
kidding me? I didn't start my timer. You got me on a timer. You didn't put me on a timer. Matthew 6, 24, the two masters, God and money. Matthew 7, 3 through 5, splinters in the eye compared to logs in the eye. Matthew 7, 6, perils in hog pens versus perils in jewel cases. 7, 9, bread versus stones. 7, 10, fish opposing serpents. 7, 13 through 14, straight and wide. I preached this two weeks or no, maybe three weeks now that about the wide gate to destruction and the narrow gate. And yet people are walking away from the house of God and from truth. Hear me, God didn't give these messages for us to just hear them and just put them on a shelf. God is calling the church to an awakening because he is coming back. Matthew 7, 13 through 14, straight and wide gates, broad and narrow ways, destruction and life, and many compared to few. Matthew 7, 15, sheep's clothing containing raving wolves. Matthew 7, 17 through 19, good trees, good fruit versus bad trees, bad fruit. Matthew 7, 24 through 29, is wise men founded on the rock compared to the foolish men who built their house on the sand. It was a masterpiece of a sermon that was full of paradoxes, choices, comparisons, and differences. It, it was spoken from a hillside, but spoken into history and finally spoken into eternity. The Olivia Decourse, uh, Olivia Decourse uh, uh, discourse is this. In the same manner that his ministry was begun, he ended on the same note. Again, he makes references to comparisons and differences. Matthew 24, 6, wars on earth compared to peace in the heart. Matthew 24, 8, the beginning of the end. Matthew 24, 12, iniquity compared with love. 24, 13, quitters or those who endure. Matthew 24, 17, those on the housetop have a choice. Stay there or get down. Matthew 24, 18 says this. Those in the field have a choice, stay in the field or return home. In both cases, returning is always detriment to the soul. Matthew 24, 23 through 24 says the choice to follow a false Christ. Matthew 23, 24, 35 says things such as heaven and earth will pass away, differ, differing with his word which will stand forever. Matthew 24, 37 says this, the days of Noah compared to the days of the returning of the Lord. I just said that in one of my messages a few weeks ago. I banged on the door because souls will be being told today and last week and the week before, Jesus is coming back for a people that have made themselves ready. And souls must get to a place that they reverence God. We don't reverence God like we need to. We've lost the fear of God. We've lost our first love. And when you start to find fault with the church or you find fault with the Word of God, you have fallen from your first love. When you say it's too hard to live for God in the church, when you say it's too hard to follow after the doctrine of Jesus Christ, when you say it's hard to live from the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, you've fallen out of love with God. When you love God, you will obey God's word. 
2440 says this, two in a field, one taken, one left. I talked about that. And so many things going through my head. Talked about half the church. We were all sitting in here. I talked about this side. What if this side and this side? We had about 40 people in here. That meant 20 over here, 20 over here. 20 of these made it, and 20 of these were still left behind. This is real. This is God's word. He said one would be in the field and one would be taken. Matthew 24, 41, two, two at the grinding stone and one taken and one left. 24, 43, the good man and the thief. 24, 45 through 51, the faithful and wise servant versus the evil servant. 25, Matthew 25, 2, wise virgins compared to the foolish virgins. 25, 3 through 4 says oil in their lamps versus oil going out of the lamp. 25, 9 says sellers and buyers. 25, 10, open doors and closed doors. Matthew 25, 15 through 18, invested talents versus wasted talents. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at Satan. And for God to have to have a shepherd stand on the watch wall day in and day out and continue to warn the church and warn the people and warn them online that Jesus is coming back. I'm doing my job. Whether you like me or not, I've got to do the work of the Lord. Amen. My job is not to please you or entice you with enticing words. My job is to preach the word. Matthew 25, 15 through 18, invested talents versus wasted talents. Matthew 25, 23, good and faithful servants versus wicked and slothful servants. Matthew 25, 29, abundance or poverty. 25, 32, sheep separated from goats. Yeah. 25, 46, everlasting life compared to eternal punishment. I want to talk to you about the faithful and wise servants versus evil servants. Yet in this passage that we read, there is the necessary or necessity of understanding what it means to be that be a faithful and wise servant. You see, the Lord lets us know that the opposite of faithful and wise servants is one that is an evil servant. That's God's word. That's not pastor's word. We're talking about the word of God. And so the, 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 a faithful servant is a man who is trustworthy and carries out his assignment and his roles or her roles or her assignment. He can be relied on to take care of the matters with honesty, integrity, and willingness to do the hard work that it takes for accomplishment. Why? Because God said that if we would pray, not my will, but thy will be done, then it would be his in order. But when it becomes my will and not his will, then we become lost. We become, we, we become the bad servant. So uh, I want you to know that, that he can re you, you have to be able to have integrity and willingness to work and accomplish God's work in his will. The word wise indicates to us an intelligence that has been gleaned from both experience and the willingness to listen to the teacher. I'll say that again. The word wise indicates to us an intelligence that has been gleaned from both experience and the willingness to listen to the teacher. As the shepherd of this church, I have been sounding the horn, sounding the alarm that Jesus is coming back. 
Since January, we've been having people just sign out, check out, leave the church, all for whatever reasons that they had. I could call them out, but I won't. But the bottom line is they're all checking out because they've lost, they've lost their first love. When you love someone, you'll, you'll fall in love with everything about them. And I love Jesus, and I have fallen in love with everything about him. Even when I have to struggle, even if I have to struggle with some of the things in his word, I still love him. He is a, uh, listen, you have to be a cautious man or woman who is making sure that the investments of, your, uh, of the overseer are not wasted. Listen, as an overseer, I have to make sure that everything that I watch over, everything that I shepherd, I'm cautious and being a, um, um, a sounding horn to you. Uh, he is a prudent man who is unwilling. You have to make sure you're not unwilling to be taken advantage of in matters of, owner, of the owner's property. Every decision he makes is thoughtful and well-planned. On the other hand, there, is a, there are servants who are evil. That, I just gave you what a, a good servant is. Uh, now we'll go over what the bad servant is, the nature of it. The men or women are those who have a bad nature about them. There is something basically destructive about everything they do and get involved in. There are always underlying and hidden motives that wants to, slip, that wants to strip and destroy the company they are a part of or they're with or they're, uh, the organization they're a part of. They will steal they will do their best to injure people who get in their way. Void of conscience, little seems to control their behavior. In this world, I don't know if you realize, but there is a spirit that has no respect for life. It has no respect for authority. It has no respect for even the man of God. There is no respect for the word of God nor the man of God in the pulpit. come to the place that if we don't like what the shepherd says, we leave. If we don't like what the shepherd says about us, we get angry and we tell you, you've hurt my feelings, and we leave. I did a funeral here on Wednesday. Got accused because I didn't become all empathetic with one of the family members in the funeral. And as of late of last night, they're texting me going, uh, I can't believe you didn't console me. I can't believe you didn't love on me and everything else. And I'm like, dear God. The time and season that we're living in is to find fault with, with everyone else but our own selves. We don't want to line up to the Word of God. We want you to line up to what we are. And if you don't line up to the way I am, then you're not a part of this. The bottom line is, I can't line you up. I can't get you into heaven. I can't encourage you to stay in the house of the Lord enough because it's all about you making that, cho that choice and that decision to serve the Lord and to believe in the whole gospel that I, that I preach. This church preaches truth. We don't pre preach easy Christian living. And everything's going to make it into the kingdom of God. The scripture just told you one would be in the field and one would be left. One would be sitting in the house and one would be left. There were ten virgins that had all their lamps trimmed. 
Five of them wise, five of them foolish. Five of the five wise took enough oil to last a season. The other five foolish didn't take enough and thought they could borrow some of the oil from someone else. And yet they did not make it into the wedding party. That is a type and shadow of the church. Not living your life the way God wants you to live it is going to put you in a place of being left out of the wedding. The last call, the last coming of the Lord, coming back for his people. You say your judgment, you're judging. I'm not judging. I'm telling you what the scripture says. They will do their best to endure people who get in their way. Void of conscience, little seems to control their behavior. A servant that is evil is lax in his responsibilities. He thinks nothing of abusing fellow servants and those under his care. The evil servant does not even consider the return of the master who will require an accounting. The portrait of, of a faithful and wise servant. So the Lord asked a question to his disciples, and I ask you this question. Who is faithful and wise? Who is a faithful and wise servant? Next question, who is the man who the master places over his house? The next question, who is able to give food at the proper time? Who will watch over the house with a sense of vigilance and seriousness? You think I get into your business, and I know this sounds like I'm on a soapbox. I don't get into your business because I want to be in your business. It's one of the most worst parts of pastoring and shepherding is to have to get involved in personal issues. But it's a part of the shepherd's responsibility to protect the sheep. If there was any way to get around it, I would find a way. If I had known all these things, probably would have never become a pastor because I would have never listened to what God called me to do. But because it's a burden for souls, I'm involved in whatever God calls me to do. Through the easy things and the hard things, walking with Jesus is not going to be easy or or. It's not going to be easy, and it's going to be hard at times. I'm not saying that my whole life has been hard walking with God. It hasn't. But if you're going to be a, be a wise and faithful servant, there are some requirements that will, you will have to have and discipline yourself to have. You see, you will have to pray and pay a price. There, will, there is a price tag that comes to those who give themselves to being a faithful and wise servant. I told someone the other day, they're doing some work. I asked them, have you counted the cost of what it's going to cost to do the work at your home? The reason I ask you that is because it's great to have the vision. It's great to, to see what you want to have done. But if you haven't counted the cost, if you haven't went out and looked at the prices, if you haven't went out, two by fours are now $7.96 a piece. I was going to build a shed. I've counted the cost. I can't build a shed right now. Two by fours were two ninety six before COVID hit. Two ninety six. They're now seven ninety six or ninety eight. Count the cost. How much is the cost? So walking with Jesus is going to cost you. I'm not talking about your finances. You can do whatever you want with your finances. That's between you and God. But you're you're going to have to pay a price to be get into heaven. If he went to a cross, and I, and I have to ask you to forgive us, our, our projector's still down. 
but they would have probably plastered a cross right here. But if there was a cross right here, I want you to imagine Jesus going, being laid on the ground, nailed to that, and then set in the ground, not just set gentle, gingerly, but dropped into the hole, body doing this, and being ripped with the nails in his hands and in his feet. That's a high price. Life was paid for my sins and your sins. There is a price tag. In our walk with God, there will be struggles. Amen to that. There's going to be strivings and setbacks that we will all be forced to endure. Do I like them? No. Paul was right when he said that we walk, we will walk by faith and not by sight. I say that because if I was walking by sight, I don't know if I could keep walking with Jesus. The closest disciples to the Lord, Peter, James, and John, all had to pay a heavy price for their faithfulness. So if, you don't, if, if the disciples had to pay a heavy price, you're going to have to pay a heavy price. A deep devotion that these, men had, had, that these men had needs to come alive in our own world today. I, I long for my personal life to be, uh, make sure that I'm exemplar, uh, that I exemplify the disciples that Jesus had, that I stay faithful to the Word of God, that I stay faithful to prayer, that I stay faithful to reaching souls. That's my prayer. And that on the day, if I don't make it in the rapture before he comes back, and I'm saying, and the church begins to be persecuted, my prayer is, God, let me stand and not deny you. There's a passion and a pain that is involved paying a pri the price of becoming a wise and faithful servant to the Lord. You can try to bypass paying the price of devotion, but the Lord needs men and women who are going to do His will. That's not my calling, I know. That's what my father, I said that to my father. He said, I didn't ask you for your calling. I said you to do something. There will be great separation to take that will take place for those who are willing to pay the price for becoming a wise and faithful servant. For everyone who is willing to go, to go the length it takes to be faithful and wise, there is a hundred who will rather remain locked up in status quo or in their relationship with God and do nothing. You will pay the price for faithfulness sooner than you think. You will and you will have to pay more than what you expect you will. Consider these passages of Scripture that I'm about to read to you that deal with the calling of the Lord. Three, uh, John 3, 1, 7. Because that for his namesake they went forth. Matthew 9, 38, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Luke 18, 31, Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. John 13, 13, Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, so for, for so I am. Matthew 26, 38, Tarry here. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Mark 6, 45. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side. Now, 
I'm telling you these things because they may have not wanted to get on that ship. They may not have wanted to go another, another place after being in ministry with him all that time. But he constrained them. He said, get in the ship. We're going over. Exodus 3, 4, God called unto him, and he said, here am I. Exodus, or Acts 26, 19, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, called to be saints. Habakkuk 2.3, though it tarry, wait for it. Acts 20.24, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself. You see, the devil does not want you to hear any of those passages of Scripture. He wants you to muddle along and just get by. But the reality is that those who choose this kind of lifestyle end up coming to the short end of the stick and the short end of the run. You see, there is a price to pay that comes with being a wise and faithful servant of the Lord. And I and you must pay it. It very well could be a price that demands more than you're willing to pay. But if you can ever humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, there's incredible rewards to come out of it. I read a story, and I'm going to read you the story I read. It's an article. Pastor John Calhoun told a story about I.H. Terry, one of the old pioneers of the apostolic movement in California. One day a young preacher com confronted him over something that he had said when he was teaching a midweek Bible study. Apparently, during this Bible study, Brother Terry made a statement to the effect that he couldn't be lost and that he would never backslide. This young preacher confronted Brother Terry about it a few days later. He told him that he strongly disagreed with what, he had, what had been said and that he was guilty of teaching eternal security. He told Brother Terry that every man had his own faults and shortcomings and that no man could be certain that he would not fall. For a long time during the confrontation, Brother, Brother Terry never said a word. He just listened to the young preacher's arguments because Brother Terry wouldn't respond. The young man got more animated and argumentative until finally tears began to roll began rolling down Brother Terry's face. But he still waited for a long while before he spoke. When he did speak, he told the young preacher with tears, Son, I will tell you why I am not going to backslide. It is because I have got something in me. On the following Sunday, when they all gathered for church, Brother Terry got up to preach and told the church, that he was going to do something he had never done before. He told them that he was going to preach to this young man and the church could listen as he preached to him. He said that this young man had dis disagreed with him on what he had said and then confronted him about it. So for the next several weeks, every time they got to church, Brother Terry would preach to this young man. People who were there said the message ranged from conviction commitment, prayer, and judgment to the degree that after every one of them 
there were long altar services that people committed themselves to living for God. Not a lot of shouting, not a lot of dancing, but deep moves of the Spirit marked the consecration and hunger for God. During this time, the young man would go to the altar, but no one would pray with him or for him. It almost as it was almost as if the church had begun to shun him. During those years, there wasn't places to go and fellowship after church like we we have now. So lingering about the altar was something that they were they would do and they were drawn to. Apparently, Brother Terry would not have an official dismissal. People would just get their things and quietly leave the sanctuary when they were finished praying. Can you imagine having a, an altar call in a church not running out at 12 o'clock? I mean, even though we have social distancing here, nobody comes to the altar but a few. I'm just saying. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. I'm reading a story, giving you a story. This young man later related that he longed for someone to come and pray with him during those times, but no one would. But during all that preaching and praying, he learned how to get plugged in with a consecration that still remains with him until this day. He is the pastor of a church up in the Northwest. Finally, at the end, he said that he was praying in the altar after everyone else had left the church. Brother Terry came up to him and laid his hands on this young man's head and began to pray for him. It was then that Brother Terry spoke to this young man and said, Son, I now, I now can see that you've got something in you too. Live for Jesus half-heartedly and you will fall away from God. Those of you that have left the church has made a grave mistake. There was a method to Brother Terry's action the young man related how that he had been in and out of church as a teenager and couldn't decide if he wanted to live for God or not. But it was during that time of testing and Brother Terry preaching to him that God started putting things in him that he would not have gotten otherwise. We ought to thank God for the rough preachers who challenge us and the rough times of, of life that he always allows us to go through. All of these matters are working to answer the question, who is a faithful and wise servant? I want, I don't know about you, but this is what I want. I want a depth of God in me. But I am the only one who can even begin that endeavor. So I say to you, you are the only one that can allow to yourself to have a deep walk with God that you cannot be sidetracked from the things of this world, money, people, things of this world that do distract the church, that should never distract God's people. Here's what J.R. Enzi said, worry about the depth of your ministry and God will take care of the breadth of your ministry. You will be pulled from your comfort zone. Many of us have been pulled from comfort zones dealt with it in some recordings that we're doing. I'm very being pulled out of a comfort zone and, and, and 
moved into a place that I'm not comfortable with, but God is working that out. If you are to be wise and faithful, a faithful servant, it is going to require you to be, to be pulled from your comfort zone. Most of us have comfortable, comfortable places in our, in our soul that we often refuse to move out of because of the growth process. I, I, I said my, my, our bishop constantly makes when the ministry the, the ministers stretch uh, he pulls us he challenges us I'm thankful that I was able to sit under him in my younger years before God even called me to ministry like this at this level I mean he challenged us in prayer he challenged us in reading the Word of God studying the Word of God he challenged us many of you are going to be challenged personal growth has a price tag on it just as endurance has a price tag, so does moving forward to a greater spiritual level and walk with God. Got another story for you. Brother Paul Price, the former district superintendent of the Western District of the United Pentecostal Church, told of how his older sister began to have spiritual problems. She fell in with some bad influences that's the problem sometimes. We fall in to places with bad influences, bad spiritual influences. She fell in with some bad influences and she was away from God. It was a great concern to her parents and when his mother saw that it had gone as far as it, it ought to, she became very quiet. The mother became very quiet around the house. It wasn't too long before Brother Price noticed that his mother was not eating. In concern, uh, he asked his mother, what's wrong? She answered, I'm just concerned about your sister. A couple of days later, the family gathered for their regular nightly prayer. That night, something was different. Brother Price said, I noticed my sister who always resented the fact that there was prayer. It was a different, it was different on this night. I heard her praying. And then I watched my mother crawl across to where she was, gather her up into her arms and pray with her till I thought she would never let her go. Sometimes it's what it takes. Difficulties will pull us out of our comfort zone. Isaiah 59, 16 says this, and he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Ezekiel 22:30, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge, fill in the hedge, fill in the gap, right? And stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. If one person can intercede, it will make a difference. All of us must know something about prayer and praying. Prayer was the lone thing that the disciples asked Jesus specifically to teach them to do. Quite a number of years, this is an old pioneer. Some of the folks here will know this name. Brother J.T. Pugh came to Calvary Tabernacle and preached there while Brother Nathaniel Urshan, another well-named uh, minister, uh, was still the pastor there. On a Sunday night, after the service, Brother Pugh said that he waited for Brother Urshan 
who did not get out of a very intense counseling session until about 1.30 a.m. As they were leaving the building, they heard a noise in the prayer area. Brother Urshan told Brother Pugh, come with me. I want to show you something. He said, they went back and there were two women seeking God. Brother Urshan told him that those two women would come to the church every night and pray. And he said they, they will not leave the church until the wee hours of the morning after they have touched God. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. Brother Urshan said, I am certain that is the reason that the church had so, so much success in revival and growth. But oftentimes it is the pain that pulls us into a prayer closet. I wish it were different, but that is how it seems to operate. Don't let your values get away or go astray. God does his best to pull you out of your comfort zone. You will have to have a deep love for the Lord. I, I, went, I said this in the very beginning. Some have lost their first love. You can go about any Christian calling and doing it without a vision. I've watched people that step into ministry that had no burden for a ministry, but as is, Jesus put me, or not Jesus, but Jesus allowed the bishop to put me in a ministry that I had no burden for, but one week later gave me the burden for youth. I encourage you that whatever God instills in me or, or the leadership to ask you to do, that you do it because God will further that burden if you will have a, a relationship with God. Here's what you can do. You can bypass love and be bound to duty and never make much of a difference at all. So if you're in a job and you have no burden, you'll just be in a job, doing a job. That is what Jesus was getting at when he began the question to Peter in John 21, 15 through 17. So when they had denied Jesus, saith, saith to Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, then feed my sheep. He saith to him again, this is the Lord, a second time. Jesus is asking you, do you really love me? Do you really love me? He's asked Simon the second time, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my sheep. Verse 17, he saith unto him a third time. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved now because he said unto him a third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. I want a vision that will make a difference. The only way that Peter was really going to feed the sheep was for him to be motivated by a deep love 
for the Lord. So the only way God can use you is you have to have a deep love for him and nothing else. The Lord knew that love in itself brought an incredible power to the gift of his disciples or to the life of his disciples. His question was, lovest thou me more than these? And let me tell you what love is capable of doing. It moves us into an attitude that changes both us and those around us. People who love find themselves coming into this kind of thinking. I want you to listen. I will do more than belong to the church. I will participate. I will do more than care. I will help. I will do more than believe. I will practice. I will do more than be fair. I will be kind. I will do more than forgive. I will forget. I will do more than dream. I will work. I will do more than teach. I will inspire. I will do more than earn. I will enrich. I will do more than give. I will serve. I will do more than live. I will grow. I will do more than suffer. I will triumph. Faithful and wise servants are willing to pay the price. They're willing to get out of their comfort zones. They're, they're, they're willing to be obedient to the word of God. The Lord is calling for us to be faithful and wise servants of what he's entrusted us with. You may not see or understand why this message was given to you. I, I, I can only tell you God has been waking the church up. Those online, God is waking you up. He's trying to let you know that there is a need today for salvation. You've got to have a love for Jesus. We can fall away from our first love, and the Bible talks about when you leave your first love, which is him, who died for your sins and my sins. If you'd stand with me in your home, we thank you for being with us today. But just as I had did the funeral, let me, let me say this. To the online church, the Bible said when they realized that they had crucified their Messiah, they asked Peter, what is it that we must do? He told them they must repent of their sins. That's a turning away. After you verbally say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, that means you, then you, you verbally or you, you verbally say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, and then you physically turn away. You turn your back on that sin. He said to them that they must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. He said, then a promise would come, which is the Holy Ghost. That is salvation. A lot of people don't preach that. I'm sorry they don't have revelation of that. But as a shepherd, it's my responsibility to preach that. It's in the Word of God. It wasn't just for the day of Pentecost, like a lot of preachers tell their saints. 24 years later, in Acts 19, I think it is, 
They ask them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, no, we have not since but heard of it. God, the Lord, Jesus poured out the Holy Ghost that day. The Holy Ghost fell on them that day and filled them with the Holy Ghost. So if it was only for the day of Pentecost, it wouldn't have happened 24 years later. So I encourage you to either read the Word of God, connect with us online so we can get you in a Bible study. We're not here to challenge you. We're not here to uh, talk bad about your pastor. What I would ask you to do is pray and ask God for revelation of the Word of God, of what has just been spoken today. But I will tell you, to be a good servant, it's going to cost you. You and I will not get through this life without being a good servant to Jesus Christ and living the life that he wants us to live. We have a special next, uh, this Wednesday coming up, Sister Payana will finish up her lesson on worship. I encourage you to close your eyes in your house where you are right now. This is what I want to ask you to do. Just close your eyes. I know this wasn't a shouting message that you would run, hang from whatever you have in your home to hang from. This is a message to, for me to do inventory of me. Am I a good servant or am I an evil servant? Do I worship the things of the Lord or do I worship things of the, of the world? And I'll say that again. Do I worship the things of the Lord or do I worship the things of the world? And I don't care how much money, I don't care how nice of cars we have, how nice of houses we have, I don't care how much tithes you pay, you're not going to get into the kingdom of God with those, with, with that. It's going to take you committing yourself to the Lord and walking with him daily. If there's sin in your home right now, this is what I want you to do. If there's been sin in your life, I want you to raise your hands right now where you are. I want you to just ask the Lord to forgive you. I'm asking the Lord to forgive me of any sin that be in my life. Father, I come to you today and I just ask you to forgive me of any sins that I've committed. Sins that I don't even know I've committed, I'm asking you to forgive me. Father, for I want my life to be right before you. I want to be a servant. I want to hear those words when I make it into the kingdom of God. Thy good and faithful servant. I would pray, my prayer is that you would want to hear the Lord say those words into your life when you come to the judgment seat on the day of judgment. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've done well over the things, the word of God that's been given to you, the scripture that's been given to you. You've been obedient. Father, we love you. Again, I, I say this again. Look, I, I encourage you that if you want to be baptized and you're not in this area and you're streaming with us today, connect with us. We'll get a church that we can hook you up with that will be more than happy to love on you and teach you the word of God. If you, if you want to come here, we'll be glad to connect with you, connect with us online, and we'll be glad to do a Bible study, baptize you in Jesus' name. Please do not forget, next Sunday, as of right now, unless I put out a call, will be Communion Sunday uh, for us to do in remembrance. I think that we have forgotten the Lord. I'm sorry to say that, and I know you'll be, I'm not trying to condemn you or I just feel I see things happening in the church and in the spirit world 
that we need to do. And I know it's not his blood and I know it's not his body. But it, he said for us to do this in remembrance. There's a consecration that takes place when you start to take communion. You have to repent of your sins. You need to get your life right before God before you start taking communion. It's real. I mean, it's not blood and it's not body, but this is a real thing. I, I take it seriously. Communion is serious for me. Search your heart. Search your soul that you will be worthy to take communion on next Sunday. May the Lord richly bless you. Worship with us as we sing. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, here.